hello, friends in podcast land, and welcome to episode 26 in our bi-weekly series of Saving Christianity, our podcast seeking a return to peace, healing, and hope in Christianity. We're coming to you every other Tuesday from Christian Family Online in America, and I'm your host, John Shields. I'm here in the studio today with my co-host, Owen Allen, and our producer, Shannon Wolf. You will remember that in our previous two episodes, episode 24 and 25, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And now, starting with this episode, we have two follow-on episodes of equal importance. The title of this first one is The Gifts of the Spirit. The Gifts of the Spirit. Here at Christian Family Online, we've learned that Christians can't walk the deeper Christian walk unless we're experiencing the supernatural actions of God that we call the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, Christians can be Christians and can go to heaven without ever expressing these gifts, but they can't experience much of heaven here on earth without expressing them. And that fact makes the gifts very important for every Christian. So let's get started talking about them. This is a great episode. You're going to enjoy being tuned in. And let's bring in our co-host, Owen Allen. Welcome to episode 26, Owen. Well, thank you, John, and welcome to all of our friends out in podcast land. It's a blessing to be here in the studio with you and our intrepid producer, Shannon. And to tell the truth, I pray, John, that this episode brings new understanding and new appreciation uh, to the gifts of the Spirit, because they're so incredibly necessary for all Christians. You know, John, as a matter of fact, the, uh, we know that the whole of chapter 12 of our book, Saving Christianity, is devoted to the gifts. And I think we could honestly say that the gifts, together with the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about previously, are are the early Christian lifestyle. Let's yes. repeat that. The fruit yeah. and the gifts are the early Christian lifestyle. Yes. You know, to use a modern term, they're the platform on which Christian behavior stands. Yes. So Christians can't live, I'm sorry to say, mm-hmm. effective Christian lives unless they're expressing the fruit and the gifts. You mentioned it a minute ago, but that's why we say in almost every episode, mm-hmm. when we express the fruit and the gifts, we're keeping one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. Mm, That's right, Owen. And we want our friends to know that unless we're allowing God Mm. to express himself through us with the fruit and the gifts, then we're not actually living Christian life to its fullest. I think we all should want to do that. For sure. (laughs) Let's be as specific as we can about this. The purpose of being a Christian is to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure that a lot of Christians realize that. And also, as we've said many times, to role model that for the non-Christians around us. Mm -hmm. But let's be, again, very specific. What is this little bit of heaven on earth that we're talking about? Well, 
in the most simple terms, it's letting God act through us in two different supernatural ways. First, with the supernatural emotions that we call the fruit of the Spirit, discussed those in the two previous episodes. But now, second, with the supernatural abilities, we need to remember that word, abilities, Mm -hmm. called the gifts of the Spirit. Those are our subject now in this episode. Yes, and these supernatural acts of God are so important that it's hard to know actually where to start, Owen. So, So why don't we just start with the bare bones principles of the gifts? Well, you know, that's always a good place to start with basic principles in any subject. But to do that now, we're going to have to go all the way back to something that Jesus said to his disciples at their last meal together. Everybody should remember now, here they are in this room, Mm -hmm. and he's telling them what's going to happen when Christianity is founded in the future. Remember, it did not exist at the time of the Last Supper. And here's what he said was going to happen in the future to Christians after Christianity was founded. And here's what he said. Whoever believes in me will perform the same miraculous deeds that I'm performing. And he or she will perform even greater deeds than these, because I'm going to the Father. Yes. Now, you know, that is a mind-blowing statement. Whoever believes in me will perform the same deeds I'm performing, Mm -hmm. and even greater deeds, because I'm going to the Father. Yeah, and that promise amazed the disciples during during that last meal Mm. as much as it amazes us today. Mm. Because after all, how could such a thing be true? How could future Christians have the same supernatural abilities that Jesus had in the first century? It's an incredible question, but worse than imagine how the disciples felt after Jesus said this at the last meal, and a few hours later, he's arrested, he's tortured, he's crucified, and he's buried, and the disciples flee into hiding in Jerusalem, and they're completely demoralized, discouraged, and afraid. Yeah, and and, and Owen, we know there are still Christians today Mm. who are demoralized, discouraged, and afraid, so what turned the disciples around? What gave them hope? Well, this is stunning, but what turned them around and gave them hope was that Jesus rose from the dead and joined them in the hideout. Mm -hmm. And for the next 40 days, he taught them about what was going to happen when Christianity was founded a few weeks later. And here's what he told them was going to happen. And I quote, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You'll receive power from the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit inside you, yes. and it will make you witnesses to the end of the earth. So Jesus was telling the disciples that future Christians were going to have supernatural abilities after Christianity was founded. Mm -hmm. And future Christians would no longer need to be afraid, demoralized, and discouraged. 
Well, think about that. Absolutely, John. I mean, that's stunning. But to clearly understand that promise, we need to understand two words that Jesus Mm -hmm. used in the original Greek language in which they were written. And that quote, the first word is power. Jesus said that people who believe in him will have power. And the Greek word he used there is dunamis. And what it means in Greek, hang on, is mm-hmm. the supernatural ability to perform miracles. Right. Now look at the second word, and this explains why that's so necessary. The second word Jesus used is witnesses. You will be my witnesses. The people that have this power will be witnesses. And the Greek word he used is martus. Which means in the Greek, proof of the strength and genuineness of a person's faith, proof that you're a Christian. So Jesus was saying that in the future, after Christianity is founded, Christians would have the same abilities to perform miracles that he had. And those abilities would be the proof of the strength and the genuineness of their Christianity. And you know, what could be more logical, John? For sure, yeah. (laughs) But how many of us know that or do that? Well, what happened next? Well, several weeks later, Christianity was indeed founded in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. We all know it was founded on the morning of the Festival of Pentecost. We've talked about that in several previous episodes, so we won't repeat all that here. But here's an overview. As he promised, Jesus did go back to heaven. He did go to the Father. The Father did give him the Holy Spirit. Think about that a second. And Jesus did send the Holy Spirit back to earth to keep the promises he made about Christianity. Mm -hmm. And check this out. The Holy Spirit did come down from heaven like a roaring tornado and a river of fire. He entered the house where the disciples were waiting. He indwelled them with the supernatural abilities to perform miracles. And those supernatural abilities immediately became proof of the strength and faithfulness of their faith. Why? Because before sunset, 3,000 strangers from the streets of Jerusalem had been so impressed with what the disciples could do that they joined the movement too and also became Christians. And that's why the day of Pentecost is is the birthday of Christianity. Mm. But the specific reason the Holy Spirit came down from heaven that day was to fulfill the promises Jesus made to the disciples that after Christianity was founded, Christians would have the same spiritual abilities to perform miraculous deeds that he had. Now, John, that's true, but you just think about what we're saying and what Mm -hmm. that means. And I just wonder how many Christians today, including us here in the studio, uh, really understand and absorb the power of that because God the Father's purpose And founding Christianity was to fulfill Jesus's promise Mm -hmm. that Christians would have supernatural abilities that they later became called the gifts of the Spirit. And said another way, one reason Christianity was founded was to fulfill Jesus's promise that Christians would have the potential 
Now, that's a tricky word mm-hmm, there, but mm-hmm. it, we do have that potential to express the same supernatural powers that he had. Yeah. You know, these are incredible principles that many Christians, I'm afraid, have never heard. Mm. And that the gifts of the Spirit were given on the day of Pentecost so that we Christians Mm -hmm. would have access to the same special abilities that Jesus had. Well, look at it this way, John. That's why Christianity is called the body of Christ Mm -hmm. in the Bible. It's because Christians are supposed to do the same things on earth that Jesus did when he was here. Mm-hmm. To say that another way, after Jesus returned to heaven, God the Father replaced him on earth with Christianity. Yeah. And that's why the Bible calls us the body of Christ. And today, those same miraculous powers that God sent down from heaven for the body of Christ, we are refer to them as the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. And see, the Apostle Paul is one, uh, the one, John, that wrote the most about all of this, and mm-hmm. he's the one that called them the gifts of the Spirit. And what's interesting, and I love this, what's interesting is that the word gift in the original Greek language in which Paul wrote comes from a root word that means to be happy. Mm. So the gifts are designed to make Christians happy. We all need to, as you say, put that on soak cycle for a minute. But so let's give our friends now out in podcast land a full definition of a spiritual gift. And here it is. A spiritual gift is a miraculous supernatural ability given to Christians by God the Father as a divine favor. Yeah. Owen, we're going to just uh, slow down a minute. This is so overwhelming uh, (laughs) that I think we need a recap, you know, especially if you're hearing this for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our Heavenly Father's plan in founding Christianity was for Christians to have access to the same supernatural abilities that Jesus had when he walked the earth. And today, we call those supernatural abilities, they are referred to and known as the gifts of the Spirit. Exactly. And you know what, John, to make a joke, and it's not really funny, that's the best-kept secret in Christianity, isn't it? Because how often— Do we hear Christians today discussing the spiritual gifts in any specific way? We discuss a lot of things, the choir and all the different things we're concerned with, but Mm -hmm. how often do we discuss the spiritual gifts? And more importantly, how often do we see Christians expressing them in their daily behavior? And that, of course, explains a great deal uh, that we have talked about in previous episodes and we'll talk more about in future. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're doing this episode. That's right. We want to give Christians a practical understanding just to move beyond that which is heady, right, and intellectual Mm -hmm. of what the gifts really are. And so let's go even deeper into the details. For example, how many gifts of the Spirit, Owen, are there? Good question, John, because most Christians have been taught, and I was taught, they're nine. Mm-hmm. 
But that's not really true. Researchers say there are about 20 gifts of the Spirit, and I say about 20 because nobody but God knows how many gifts of the Spirit there really are. Some authorities think they're in the 30s. But we can see 20 listed Mm -hmm. clearly in the Bible. And so, John, what we have a chart of those 20 gifts on pages 185 through 187 of our book, saving Christianity. And that chart shows where each gift is mentioned in the Bible at least once and gives a brief definition of each one. And that's, by the way, just to just stick this in, mm-hmm. uh, that's why we hope all of our friends in podcast land have ordered the book, Saving Christianity, from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or one of the other quality book sites uh, on the Internet and are reading it along with us as we discuss it. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and we realize that 20 gifts uh, is a long list. Yeah. But we also realize that many Christians have never heard the full list. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's appropriate that, that uh, why don't we read the full list of the 20 gifts uh, to our friends listening? Let's do that, John. I think that's totally necessary. And and you know what? I think our friends are going to be amazed, too, at this wonderful uh, list of spiritual gifts that God's given us. I'll, I'll read the first 10, John, and okay. then... Why don't you read the second 10? And let's remember now, these are abilities that God gave us the day that Christianity was founded. Right. Uh, And he did that. Why? To empower us as Christians to have full and complete lives. Mm -hmm. So the first 10 would include spiritual dreams, spiritual visions, serving other Christians, teaching other Christians, encouraging other Christians, giving to other Christians, protecting or guarding other Christians. By the way, that's the the work of a, a first century elder. Mercy toward other Christians, words of wisdom for other Christians, and words of knowledge for other Christians. Look at all this mm-hmm. power that we're sharing among ourselves as the body of Christ. But anyway, John, that was my 10. Uh, what are yours? Yeah, here we go, Owen. It just it gets, gets better and better. <laughs> so faith for ourselves and others. Glory. Healings for ourselves mm-hmm. and for others. Miracles for ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Discerning evil spirits. Uh, translating public prayer languages, mm-hmm. helping others, guiding or steering others. It's often referred to as administration, yeah. prophesying for others, a personal prayer language for personal devotions, and a public prayer language, uh, which is a spiritual message for a group. Absolutely. Now, if that's not amazing, John, I don't know anything that is. (laughs) And my only regret is that so many Christians have never heard this list, never been told that they have every one of these spiritual abilities within themselves waiting to be expressed for the benefit of themselves and other Christians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, and that's right. And the, you know, I think about it. Isn't it so unfortunate mm. that, in large part, many Christians, if you were to ask them, um, let me be uh, a little bit negative for just a moment, <laughs> the sum total of their Christian experience is: I prayed a prayer at twelve years old, and I'm going to heaven. Yep. 
and think about that. End of story. Yeah, the purpose of the <laughs> spiritual gifts is, look what we're missing, mm. to strengthen, encourage, and comfort Christians. Hallelujah. Both as individuals and in small groups, and all the gifts, this is so important, all the gifts are for all Christians, no matter who they are or where they are. So you're listening to this out there in podcast land, and you are a Christ follower, you are a Christian, we're talking to you. Well, John, and let's remind them of something that we say in almost every Mm -hmm. episode. Our Heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. are all three the same yesterday, today, and forever. They haven't changed since the first century, and they never will change. They're not evolving, are they? (laughs) No. There's no evolution here, friends. Uh, And that means that today, this minute, look at your watch. Mm -hmm. All of the spiritual gifts are here for all Christians the same way they were in that wonderful, wonderful day of Pentecost in the first century. Oh, and I'm going to continue to to tap the brakes here a little bit. This is so uh, much information, so I just want to say again, um, an overview of the spiritual gifts as they exist today. For example, the spiritual gifts are not human talents, uh, yeah. and, and that's a very important piece of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not human talent, skills, or accomplishments. And the key word here is supernatural. Mm -hmm. They're supernatural abilities that come from the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. And, And Owen, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. No, and you know what? This is one of the biggest, uh, like you said, we don't want to be negative ever in these episodes, but that's one of the biggest mistakes or problems that we run into. Almost weekly, we hear Christians say that activities like singing, writing, playing a musical instrument are spiritual gifts. Let me tell you, a lady said that to me this week, John, Mm -hmm. but they are not. Those are human talent, skills, and accomplishments, not spiritual gifts. Because remember the key. Mm -hmm. You said it a minute ago, John. To be a gift, it has to be supernatural. Right. So my little rule is, if an activity that a person is doing, Mm -hmm. whether it's painting a beautiful picture or writing a beautiful poem, if that activity is not on the list of 20 that we just read, it's not a spiritual gift. Now, it may be an incredibly wonderful human talent, like my daughter Mm -hmm. uh, uh, publishes poems, but that's not a spiritual gift. That's a human skill that she has. So we need to remember, again, I'm repeating, the spiritual gifts are supernatural. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. They're coming down to us through the Holy Spirit from the throne room of heaven. Mm-hmm. And activities like singing and writing poems and playing the piano are not coming down through the Holy Spirit, through the throne room of heaven. They're mm-hmm. being produced by the genes, brains, and nerves of <laughs> flesh and blood humans. Yeah, yeah. But, and this is where people need to see it. Don't miss this point. Christians who are singing, 
writing poems, playing the piano, can be spirit-filled while they do it. Right. And they should be. Yes, yes. But whether or not they're spirit-filled, those activities themselves are not on the list and are not spiritual gifts. Right. So I want to repeat the principle. The only source of the gifts is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the gifts don't come from any other person. You don't inherit them or any other source. In fact, Jesus said that if we say that the gifts come from any source but the Holy Spirit, that it's actually we're committing blasphemy. Ouch, and we don't want to do that. For sure. (laughs) Well, a related principle here is the fact that only Christians can express the gifts. Think about that a second. Non-Christians can't. Yeah, And the reason that only Christians are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and only the Spirit is the source of the gifts. So, logically, non-Christians, including, uh, sadly, in some ways, the members of the non-Christian religions cannot express the gifts of the Spirit. They need to become Christians to do that. Right. So let's be even more specific. So every Christian has at least one full-time gift. Yep. Some Christians have two or more full-time gifts, but spirit-filled Christians have at least one. At least one. At least one. And then the Spirit also gives Christians the other gifts temporarily on an as-needed basis for ministry. And you know, John, that is an incredible point. Uh, when you, I didn't know that for many, many years. Right. I'd been told in Sunday school sometimes over the years that each Christian had one gift, mm-hmm. but I never realized until I became uh, involved in uh, spirit-filled Christian small groups, and we'll talk about that a lot uh, in these episodes, that every Christian uh, in a group can express a gift that is not his or her prime gift, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit uses them, so to speak, as a channel of blessing temporarily mm-hmm. for a minute or two uh, in a small group. So during fellowship and worship, all Christians can express temporary gifts. Why? To minister to one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit, our little rule of the thumb could be the Holy Spirit expresses the gifts when, where, why, and how he decides. Why? Because mm-hmm. he's the source and he gets to distribute them. Yeah, and that brings up a really interesting question. So as good as all this sounds and as real as it is, when do Christians receive the gifts of the Spirit. Whoa, John, that is important. That's a biggie. And the answer obviously is they receive the gifts on the day and at the time that they become Christians. Mm-hmm. In other words, to use the term that we all use, on the day and the time that they're saved. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that could be as a small child. I've seen small children exercise gifts. Sometimes it could be as a teenager or an adult or even uh, less uh, frequently, but hopefully uh, as a person is elderly. Elderly. But regardless of what age it happens, Christians receive the gifts the day they're saved. And, and that's just logical, isn't mm-hmm. it? 
Because that's the day we are indwelled by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the indwelling by the Spirit includes the gifts of the Spirit. Right. And that's the day people are, quote, baptized in the Spirit, end quote, as we discussed in previous episodes. And when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, I, I just love to say that. Yeah. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, Right, You know, when you buy a home and you meet the realtor out there and they hand you the keys and it's you take up residency, the Holy Spirit, we hand him the keys and he becomes the resident in us. He brings all the gifts with him. He he. He backs that uh, moving van right up and and unloads all mm. the gifts. It's not it's not divvied out in shipments over uh, weeks and months. He <laughs> unloads it all that day when he moves in, and he decorates it instantly. And everything's yeah, in yeah. place. He's got all his <laughs> luggage with him. Yep, <laughs> that's, that's right. Yep. That's right, John. And you know what? Uh, speaking of that now, this might be a good place to say that the spiritual gifts then, that makes them one of the signs, one of the signs, very popular word in some circles, mm-hmm. that a person is a Christian. That's only logical, as you said, John, because non-Christians are not indwelled by the Spirit, don't have the gifts, so then they don't have that sign either. Right. But, so let's repeat that. Spiritual gifts are a sign that a person, what, is a Christian. But hang on. Mm-hmm. Fasten your seatbelt. They're not the sign that a person is spirit-filled. Right. They're not the sign that a person is spiritually mature. Mm-hmm. Why is all that true? Because as uh, Paul taught us mm-hmm. very clearly in his letters to Corinth, mm-hmm. because infant Christians can and do. Yeah. Let me repeat that. Infant Christians can and do express spiritual gifts. So in other words, this hurts. Mm -hmm. Carnal and immature Christians can express gifts. And as I said, the Apostle Paul taught that clearly in his letters. Yeah, and and Owen, you just keep being talking in a very logical way. (laughs) (laughs) After all, infant Christians are indwelled by the Spirit. Right. Because that's what makes a Christian. Exactly. So they have the gifts within them, Mm -hmm. and they can express those gifts, Mm -hmm. even though they are still infants in spiritual growth. Yeah, and imagine, so that, as you say, that's just very common Mm -hmm. sense, very logical, Mm -hmm. and Paul taught that uh, in his first letter to Corinth. He told them that even though... They had all, now he said that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he said, you lack no Nothing. spiritual right. gift. Right. But then he went on writing and he said, but you're still spiritual infants. Why? Because you're selfish, gossipy, argumentative, and divisive. Mm-hmm. And so the principle again is this. The only sign that a Christian is spirit-filled or is spiritually mature uh, is when he or she is expressing the fruit of the Spirit in everyday behavior. Okay. And you know, John, I just want to step out a second. Mm-hmm. say this, one of the things that's been um, 
what would you call it, an eyesore or a problem in Christianity is gossipy, selfish, argumentative, and divisive Christians Mm -hmm. expressing gifts. Right. And that blows people's minds and upsets non-Christians and Christians alike. Mm -hmm. But right here, what we're explaining, clearly taught in the Bible, Mm -hmm. is the reason for that. Right. And this is this is incredibly this is uh, so so good and such wonderful practical real information to help us. Yeah, that's right, John. And so uh, that's a very important principle that we need to emphasize. But continuing on now, yeah. I'm going to do something that's a little bit dangerous, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give our friends in podcast land a false choice, Mm -hmm. a false choice to make, hopefully make the point we're trying to make clear. And here's that false choice. The fruit of the spirit is more beneficial than the gifts of the spirit. So if you could only have one of them, if God would only let you have one, You would want to have the fruit of the Spirit, not the gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, hold on, everybody. Time out. (laughs) As I said, this is a false choice trying to make a point because the early Christians had both. Right. Both the fruit and the gifts, and we want both today, the fruit and the gifts today. But regardless of how beneficial and important and needed and necessary the gifts are. It's still more beneficial to have the supernatural emotions of love and joy Mm. and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and hope and courage and all the rest all during the day that it is to have a supernatural ability without these Wonderful emotions. Right. And, you know, oh, and that principle confuses some Christians today, unfortunately, because they've been taught that the gifts are paramount here, that Mm -hmm. they're the most important thing a Christian can have. Mm -hmm. But Paul made it clear uh, the the right priorities here in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians that is tucked nicely in place for a reason. The famous love chapter. You know, that is so true, John. And that's, I think that's why mm-hmm. he did it. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, listen to this, uh, folks, and, and all of our dear friends. The Apostle Paul, one of the most spiritual humans who ever lived, said that he could express the spiritual gifts of prayer languages, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, giving, and all the others, mm-hmm. but... But if he didn't express them with the fruit of the Spirit, he would, in his words, quotes, gain nothing, gain nothing as a Christian. Oh, ouch. That hurts. Mm -hmm. So so all Christians, um, think about it. We should keep our priorities straight the way the early Christians did. Mm -hmm. And um, their first priority was to express the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And while doing that, complementary to, they express the gifts of the Spirit. You know, John, it's it's almost like uh, it struck me here as we were speaking. You see a child's toy train, 
Mm-hmm. You know, children, I guess they still do. When I was growing up, you had these little electric trains, and one was always a, a cold car, a little empty car. You could think of it that way. The fruit of the Spirit would be like a, an electric train running around the track, mm-hmm. and then in these empty cars would be the gifts. Mm-hmm. So the gifts need to be transported and administered through, by, and with the fruit. Yeah. And that's the priorities of the early Christians. But there's there's another reason, too, of why the fruit's more beneficial than the gifts. And think about this now, John. Mm-hmm. That's because the fruit is meant to be continuous, right. continuous in our daily behavior yeah. at home on the job. But think about it. The gifts are meant to be intermittent, intermittent as needed. Mm -hmm, For mm -hmm. example, for example, Christians are designed to have supernatural love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the other fruit all day long at home on the job. But they're not designed Christians to have dreams and visions and healings and miracles all day long Mm -hmm. at home on the job. That's illogical. So that's the difference between the two. The fruit is all day. The gifts are as needed. And the reason for this priority is that today some some congregations teach that the gifts of the Spirit are the most important mm-hmm. thing in Christianity, mm-hmm. but they seldom mention the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And that's the opposite of what the early Christians taught. That's true, John. And, you know, uh, we don't want our friends in podcast land to think we're saying the gifts are not important. Yeah, we're not saying not. that yeah. at all. They're desperately important. important. Yeah. That's why we're doing two episodes uh, about them. But we are saying, and just to repeat myself about the kind of the children's train, uh, we are saying that the gifts should always be expressed through and with the spiritual fruit. Yeah, in fact, and, and this hurts me to say it, some Christians today don't emphasize either the gifts Ooh. or the fruit. Ouch. Wow. And that's a crime, <laughs> uh, and to use too strong a word maybe. <laughs> so what we're saying is that all Christians should be expressing the fruit of the Spirit first mm-hmm. and then the gifts of the Spirit second and should always have both in our behavior. That's right. That's right. You know, John, the early Christians, and we base everything on what they did. Uh, They didn't ignore either uh, this fruit or the gifts. But now let's get back since this episode is about the gifts. Let's see some uh, examples of what uh, the early Christians said about the gifts. Here's what here's what uh, Paul's uh, instructions on the gifts were to all Christians, including Christians today. Just a sampling. Mm-hmm. First, he said, earnestly desire to be spiritual, so use your spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. He said, never neglect or make light of your spiritual gifts. He said, kindle like a fire, kindle the spiritual gift within you to a bright flame. Mm. And he said, use whatever spiritual gift you've received to do what? To serve God. Others. Oh, I love that. And you know, these instructions by Paul also make another point that we Christians 
And, and, and again, this is another very important point. Uh, we are in full control of our gifts mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. And we say so often, the Holy Spirit never overrides our human willpower. So if we don't actively work to express our gifts, we never will. You know, John, I hadn't intended to say this, but the same lady I mentioned earlier uh, said to me uh, last week, she said, you know, uh, I just wonder if the Holy Spirit would make me do something I didn't want to do. Mm. And I just stared at her in disbelief, you know, (laughs) but she didn't understand these basic principles that we're talking about. He never does that. And as we've said in previous episodes, he's the greatest gentleman in the universe. Mm. He never interrupts if we don't want to be interrupted, you know. But still, and this brings up a connected question, Mm -hmm. we've already touched upon it. Why aren't more Christians expressing spiritual gifts? You know, if you're around Christians a lot, and we are, uh, we know that very few Christians are expressing their gifts in everyday life. So why is that? Yeah, well, Owen, uh, uh, you're talking to to one who's um, uh, teaching all the time in a in a congregation, and mm-hmm. one reason is that many congregations today don't teach the gifts. Yeah which I don't even have an answer for that. <laughs> they never mentioned them in Sunday school or from the pulpit, and so many Christians don't even know the gifts exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll lie down now. Yeah. Or yeah. if they do, they don't know that they're supposed to be expressing them. Imagine that. Well, it, even worse, John, I've actually heard it said uh, and heard it taught publicly that uh, the gifts don't exist anymore, yeah. that they ended in the first century. Right. So if you tell a group of people, you know, <laughs> A, they don't exist, yeah. uh, and B, even if they did, they're not good for you, then what would you expect? Right. So it, it, it is, I think, due, John, to, to that lack of emphasis mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in many congregations that Christians today have, have many at least, I'll say it that way, some at least, have never made a personal decision to express the gifts. Mm-hmm. And you know what, John? There's an old saying in management, no decision is a decision. Mm -hmm. So if Christians don't make a decision for the gifts, then by default, they're making a decision against the gifts. Right. And when you think about it, what Christian wouldn't want to live with one foot in heaven while he or she is still here on earth? What Christian wouldn't want to have supernatural dream, visions, healings, and miracles in their lives? And, it, and isn't that one of the things Christianity's built on? Well, I think it is, and yeah. the early Christians thought it was, and the Bible says it is. So as a, uh, pretend we're in a meeting here, the <laughs> eyes have it. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that leaves us with two final thoughts, John, as we wind down this episode. The first question is, how do I know my gift? And the second question is, how do I use my gift? Yeah. H- how would you answer that, John? Well, oh, and I've, I've found that, you know, our personal gift is not a secret or a mystery. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit wants us to know our gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would make no sense that he wouldn't. No. Because it's so valuable to ourselves. It's valuable to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one clue is to think about, I think, 
what we can't can't help doing, mm-hmm. um, as the old saying goes. That, that's a good. That's yeah. a good one. You know, uh, and our friends need to remember. We mentioned at the top of the show that uh, chapter twelve in our book, Saving Christianity, is dedicated to the gifts and has charts and graphs and other explanations. Uh, but on pages one seventy nine and one eighty of that chapter, we actually have a heading: the discussion of full-time gifts, Mm. and uh, that uh, section gives an example of a person who discovered her gift, and we would urge our friends to read that chapter. Yes. Also, they can listen several times to the list we read uh, a minute ago, or they can look at that list on pages 185 through 187 of the book, or they can pull up this transcript on the internet and read the list and they can ask themselves this question. Mm -hmm. Is there a Christian activity on this list that I can't help doing? Is there one that seems natural, easy, and automatic to me? Is there one that I enjoy so much I want to do it and I never get tired of doing it? Mm -hmm. If so, those are clues that that activity is actually your spiritual gift and you haven't realized it. Yeah. Oh, and how about, let's take it a step further. Give our listeners an example. Well, let's see. Now, I can give two quick examples. Here's the first one. You know, like so many congregational buildings, John, we have a big commercial kitchen in our building. But what's interesting is we have a member of our congregation who always, without fail, volunteers to go in that kitchen and cook the meals for the Sunday school meetings, missionary conferences, Christmas parties, all the different uh, events. And boy, she does all the planning, shopping, cooking, serving, and never gets tired of it. And one time I asked her why she did this. And she said she didn't know. Hmm. She said, I just felt like doing it. I enjoy doing it. And I think what she doesn't realize is that that's her spiritual gift. And uh, she doesn't realize it. And, of course, that doesn't matter. I don't care if she realizes it or not, as long as she and all the other Christians are being blessed by it. Yeah. That, that's, oh, and that's a very interesting story. And I've seen that type of thing too, mm-hmm. over, you know, over the years. And that's a good tip for us to recognize our spiritual gift. So what, what's your second example? Well, I don't like to do this job, but I'll just be personal a moment. Uh, talking about the second example, I'll give myself my own story some years ago. I was young. I, I was asked unexpectedly and off the cuff to teach a Sunday school class because the uh, the regular teacher was out of town that day. I'd never taught anything before. I had no education or training at all in teaching. But for some reason, I accepted the assignment, and with very little preparation, stress, or worry, I taught the class, and to my surprise, it was easy. And I felt a deep satisfaction afterwards. Mm -hmm. And even more surprising, several members of the class came forward afterwards to thank me and tell me how natural I looked at teaching. Mm -hmm. But sadly, it wasn't until years later that I finally realized that the spiritual gift of teaching is one of my gifts. Mm. So, no, what we're saying here then, as I listen, Owen, is that 
The best way to recognize our spiritual gifts is through experience. Experience. Yeah, by doing things in Christian groups and seeing what activities we enjoy and are, in fact, fulfilling. Exactly. And you know, John, nothing feels better. Remember, the word gift comes from the root to be happy. Think Mm -hmm. about that a second. And there's nothing more exciting and fulfilling and pleasing than to use your spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's another tip. The Holy Spirit himself will reveal and confirm to us Mm -hmm. what our gift is. Now, that's hard to explain Mm -hmm. in human words, but when he does it, There's an old saying, you just know that you know that you know what your gift is when the Holy Spirit has confirmed it. Yeah, and getting back to the experience uh, angle, the very best place to recognize our spiritual gifts is is in an environment, Mm -hmm. a a culture of like-minded small group, Yeah, a a small group of spirit-filled other Christians who together are learning how to meet and worship in the spirit absolutely totally correct that's good soil (laughs) yeah and you know john this is a good place to tell our friends that we have an upcoming episode with the title the use of the spiritual gifts and that's going to be episode 28 and in it we're going to discuss all this at more length So in addition to all of these resources, uh, our friends are going to have another full-length episode uh, on the gifts coming up soon. Well, bad news, John. (laughs) I just looked at the big clock on the wall, and it's telling us that our time is up for this episode. And anyway, I think we probably covered enough about the incredible amazing gifts of the Spirit for one episode. So I tell you, let's end this episode on the gifts here. Let's let our friends think about all that we've said. Maybe read uh, those pages in the book, Saving Christianity, that we've recommended. And then they'll be all ready for the next episode on gifts. And as I said, that'll be episode 28. And I want to just remind our listeners that this is episode 26 and that a script and a recording of it, they are on our website at www.goscpod.com. That's G-O-S-C-P-O-D.com. Perfect, John. Perfect. I think all of us are looking forward to the next episode. But in the meantime, this is Owen Allen. And this is John Shields speaking for me and for Shannon Wolf, our producer. And all of us are saying together, May the the God God of our fathers bless you and keep you and guide you and protect you until we meet again.